All right. <clears throat> well, the, without further ado, then, welcome. It is Star Wars Tonight, episode 35, as we uh, get on the train to Rogue One, the, uh, the final countdown. In fact, I'm going to pull it up. How many days uh, till... Oh, uh, you think my uh, computer would autocomplete. Till Star Wars, one of my favorite websites. How many days till StarWars.com uh, is, is great. 30 days, look at that. One month. Wow. Until Star that Wars Rogue Ones. Me really uh, happy. Me too. And you know, that, that person uh, you're hearing who is very happy about this fact, that's, uh, that's Amy Ratcliffe, of course, a celebration stage host. She's a writer extraordinaire, podcaster at Full of Sith, uh, and writes for all the websites. Uh, how's it going, Amy? Good. Sorry, I busted my intro. I just got no. really excited about Rogue One. I didn't realize it was almost here. We should be able to buy tickets soon, right? <laughs> that's what that's that's been the whole story last week and this week. Is when do we get to buy tickets? Immediately. It was but certainly more than a month out last time. Yeah, yeah, it hmm. was. It was like the, in October last time because I remember I was out of the country and it was just a whole stressful, exciting day, but. Anyway, thank you so much for having me. Wait, you were you were out of the country when the mad dash for tickets happened? Yeah, I was in <laughs> Vancouver on a set visit, and it was also the day the trailer dropped, correct? If I'm yes, remembering that right? Yes, indeed. So apologies to anyone who's heard this story before, but we were interviewing Tom Cavanaugh on the set of The Flash, and dude kept giving long answers, and I'm, my, my phone's <laughs> blowing up because the trailer's coming out. So we finally wrapped the interview, and we're like, we're going to watch the new trailer if you want to watch it with us, Tom Cavanaugh. He's like, no, staying spoiler-free. So we watch, like, he stops to talk to the PR people and just keeps staying in the room. And meanwhile, we're all like, ah, <laughs> we need to watch the trailer. I'm like, I need to talk with my friends to make sure I have a ticket. Oh, that's got to be so. so stressful. It was stressful <laughs> for us because we were on um, – what were we doing? We did a live uh, a live reaction podcast with with Steve Glosson, and we were we tried to do the because uh, we, we went out to Austin, Texas last year to watch it, and so we like we were desperately because we were going to go to the Alamo Draft House for our first time ever oh, and go nice. see it with uh, with Teresa Delgado, uh, a fangirls going rogue, and so that was the big plan, and the tickets dropped, and like all the websites, Alamo Draft House's uh, server crashed. And we weren't we were having trouble downloading them. So God bless her, Teresa's mom drove down to the theater and physically bought the tickets while we were on air. We were getting like live text what? updates. That's awesome. Uh, That's dedication on her part. Oh, it was uh, so so amazing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, time this time around for Rogue One, and and we've got we've got a lot of Rogue One stories, and really doing the nightly podcast. It's really the only way that we can possibly keep up with all the news because it hits every day so fast. Um, yeah, I have to admit, I was, I, I'm a bad guest because I didn't have time to glance at show notes and Riley was talking. He's like, it's probably stuff you've seen and I scanned it. And I'm like, when did all this happen? Uh, <laughs> I look at the internet every day, but you're right. It's coming so hot and fast. Oh, no, absolutely, absolutely. So we're going to get into a couple stories here and actually we're going to return to the segment that we're going to cap the the holiday themed segment that uh, that I brought in last week. Uh, we're gonna that's going to make its return. We weren't able to for the for the last couple uh, podcast episodes. So let's get straight into it. Uh, first off, uh, it's it's all Catalyst today. Happy Catalyst release day, Amy. Um, I I'm very excited. Uh, I have not had the chance to pick up. I'm 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 actually 
right now while we talk about it. This is actually perfect timing. It's been a crazy busy day here at uh, Georgia Tech all doing ROTC stuff, but I just realized something. I can what? now buy Catalyst on Audible, which makes me very excited. Oh, so you can listen mm-hmm. to your Star Wars. I'm an audiobook guy. I got to do it. Who's reading that one? Do you know? Uh, that, that is an ex. Well, if only I was able to... Uh, to pull it up right now, Star Wars Catalyst. Here we go. By one of my favorite Star Wars authors, uh, James Asino. Uh, here it is. With nine positive reviews already. Read by Jonathan Davis. There we go. Star Wars okay. audiobook royalty. Uh, Amy, have you read it? Do you have like a preview copy or anything? You know, I just got a review copy yesterday, and I'm about... And you just I, I, finished... I'm, yeah, I wish. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't know pages because I'm on my Kindle. I'm reading it on my Kindle, so I'm 10% through. Okay, okay, excellent, excellent. And first impressions so far? So first impressions, sometimes uh, James Lucina books are a little tough for me to get through. That's happened, like, I, there were a couple points already. Like, I don't know why. Um, so, so I've had a little bit of that, but overall the story and what they're setting up and already the tidbits, like, I've been making notes like a nerd when I read it. So, uh-huh. so stuff I can go back and reference for articles. And I'm like, I filled up a page already. Oh, oh so. wow. No, absolutely. Yeah. It's a, I had the chance to meet him for the first time at New York comic con, uh, when we oh, went nice. up and he was super, super nice. Um, and cause I'm not, I'm not nearly as well read in the star Wars universe as so many other of my podcasting and fan site friends. Um, but man, labyrinth of evil and cloak of deception, Two books that I gobbled up back in high school. Like, dude, uh, mm, I love those things. Particularly, and I totally had that moment. Um, I walked up to him, and I, I think I mentioned this on a previous episode, but, but I, I, at New York, I, I, you know, I met him briefly, and then a little bit later, he was just kind of waiting to, for the author signing to begin. And I just had to take an opportunity to walk over and just say, pardon, pardon the absolute nerddom, but... Man, that those final three chapters of Labyrinth of Evil, where like the <laughs> clone troopers are on the hunt for Sidious, but they don't know it's Sidious, and then they discover, but they die, and it's like this, oh, it's like this thriller, dude. That was the best Star Wars ever, and that was right. You know, Labyrinth of Evil was one of the first Star Wars books I read right as I was really getting into it and like discovering the online fan community. Uh, like that was the that was sort of the. I don't know if other people have this, but for me, when I discovered podcasts and particularly the fan site community, right post Revenge of the Sith, um, that was back like middle of middle of high school for me, and that's just such a fond memory. And so, and that's basically everything I'm just telling you, Amy, is what I told uh, him. And I was just like, <laughs> and I liked your book so much. That's awesome. Thank you, James Lucino. Your book was great. And then you know what he did, Amy. He shook your hand and said, you're awesome. Well, he, he, he did shake my hand, but then he <laughs> proceeded to just like uh, say, so hey, what, what do you do? And then he all asked me about my, and then like 15 minutes later, I just realized that he wasn't making it about him at all and just had a, he's one of those guys who's just super chill, nice, and was uh, having a conversation, was asking me all about me and my life. Like, how cool that's is that? That's really cool. That's really classy too. I yes. think that's to show, I think. To take the time to show interest and oh. to even have that conversation, too, for more than just a meet and greet. I think that's awesome. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I need to read those books. I haven't, I haven't read his 
uh, non-canon books, I guess. I tried to read he, read, he wrote Plagueis, right? Yes, which is the one I haven't read. So I haven't either. I read Harkin, though. So we, we have to, uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, so there's, there's a couple new updates because of the books, the books released today. In fact, there's a, an interview with, uh, I believe it's Variety. Um, I just want to make, oh, The Verge. Uh, this is a piece from The Verge by Andrew Liptak. Um, and he interviewed uh, James all, all about Rogue One. And I pulled something out just that I kind of found interesting on the way they kind of distilled uh, Catalyst. Uh, this is a quote uh, straight from James Lucene. He says, um, as the novel developed, it became clear that I needed to focus on a select few and b- spread their backstories across uh, over the course of years rather than days or weeks. And so the story focuses on an s- imperial weapons specialist, Orson Krennic, and preeminent scientist Galen Erso, along with his wife, Lyra, and their young daughter, Jen. Now, uh, Krennic serves the Republic, which is actually new information for me. Um, I was not aware that he had joined pre-Empire, but I guess that makes sense in terms of the timeline. Um, but da, 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 da. oh, and then uh, and then the and the Empire unflinchingly. However, Galen, uh, whatever I do, uh, Galen uh, wants <laughs> nothing to do with war politics. Only his family and his research. However, of course, as uh, as 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 Mister Lucino goes on to point out quite accurately. Uh, quite faithfully, Gain, uh, Galen's passion for the latter, science, etc., uh, puts him and his family in peril. And so basically, it's the detailing of the relationship between Krennic and Galen Erso. I get to determine how they met and the nature and depth of their relationship. I really do get the sense that that's the crux. Those two, not necessarily the crux of the plot, because that's all Jin, I, I really do think, but the... right. The flashpoint moment at the beginning, the the her running across the field, uh, the the confrontation. I have a feeling I have a feeling old friends, are, or once friends, are meeting once again in those first few shots of the new trailers. Yeah, I'm really curious to see. I think on the on the Empire side, that yeah. like you said, that relationship is is key. And I liked seeing already, like I said, I'm very, I'm only barely into the book, but I didn't know that about Krennic and it's set in the book pretty early. And you can, uh, Lucino is great at, in very few paragraphs, like, you know, exactly what Krennic's about and how much ambition he has and how he's been climbing up the ladder and dude wants to make his mark. Yeah. And it's, so I think having that play against Galen's like, I'm just trying to be a scientist for the greater good. Like those two aspects together, I think are going to be really interesting. And mm-hmm. I love that we've seen enough of just a tidbit, you know, of Galen or so as like Mads Mikkelsen as him, because now when I read the book, I can just play Mads Mikkelsen's voice in my head. Although all it's, now it's getting hard for me to remove him as the, uh, as the main villain in Dr. Strange. <laughs> oh, yes. He was so covered in makeup and that I kind of didn't. True, true. Yeah, now that makes of, sense. Yeah. Well, and then uh, uh, something else, uh, I didn't put it in the notes themselves, but the Verge piece po- pointed out something else that I thought was pretty interesting. And that's something that I do like about Lucino's writing style a lot. And um, he talks about some of the previous tie-ins he's written because that's kind of what he does are these sort of movie tie-ins. And uh, he said, here's another quote from the article, quote, I began by asking myself, where the full story began. 
the difference this go round between his his uh, different his previous books is he didn't have a specific line of dialogue, and that's kind of an interesting point because uh, in the article they go on to say like in the, for the Phantom Menace the baseless accusations against Chancellor Valorum, you know, that kind of throwaway line, that's literally the plot of Cloak of Deception and, and basically oh, the plot okay. of planting the seeds of mistrust in Valorum's um, cabinet, I guess, uh, so to speak, so that you understand why the Senate so quickly flips against him in The Phantom Menace. And, like, as a political science guy, that stuff was absolutely fascinating. And then the same thing with that business on Cato Nemodio doesn't doesn't count. Of course, in true Ewan McGregor form, repeating the words just like, uh, just like Alec Guinness. Doesn't, <laughs> doesn't count. Uh, come here, my little friend. Uh, uh, but yeah, no, it's, I'm very excited. You know, I don't know if I'm going to get to, just depending on my uh, school and RTC schedule, I may not get to uh, uh, th- finish the book before the movie comes out. But in some ways, if it is sort of that tie-in material, I feel like I might be able to connect with Galen Erso and Orson Krennic more after I've seen the film. I don't know. Yeah, it's always a catch because ideally these books don't you don't need them yeah. like to have a better understanding of the film, but they, they can't help but enhance what you're seeing because you're coming to it with knowledge about you know, with a greater knowledge about the characters and their backgrounds. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then one more thing on Catalyst. Uh, it, this is actually from Inverse that uh, they point out. It's, it's not that hard to find right on the, uh, the opening page of the book. It has its more or less uh, cr- opening crawl. And it basically explicitly states what we all kind of know, but it words it in an interesting way. And I may not, I may not understand. Uh, Amy, I might need you to explain some of this to me. I may be missing something here. But uh, the headline is Palpatine used the Clone Wars to build the Death Star in Catalyst. So we kind of know that already in some ways, but the, um, the actual opening page on the, on the hardcover of Catalyst says, For years, the Clone Wars have raced across the galaxy. Countless worlds have been ensnared in conflict between the Republican Separatist Army led by Count Dooku, etc., etc. While rumors spread that Separatists are nearing the completion of a superweapon... Fear grips the Republic, and in response, Supreme Chancellor Palpatine has tasked a secret team of researchers, huh, wonder who that could be, uh, with perfecting a battle station for the Republic, the Death Star. Now, hang on a second. I thought the superweapon that was being developed by the Separatists was the Death Star, because that's exactly what we see in Attack of the Clones. It is, and there's a little piece, like, in kind of reading in the part I've read that kind of, I don't think it's a spoiler to say, like, how it's manipulated, because I just never thought about it before, because the information's there. And Attack the Clones, Poggle the Lesser hands off the plans to Count Dooku. Sorry. And I just, <laughs> sorry, I just had to do a... I had a friend back in high school who had an uncanny imitation of him, too. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Um... So he handled the, he handed the plans off to Dooku, and Dooku was the leader of the Separatists. So as far as they were concerned, anybody that heard about that interaction, it was Dooku that got the plan. So therefore, of course, he's using it for the Separatists. Like not thinking that uh, like nobody knows he's going to hand it except Poggle that he's going to handle hand it off to somebody else. 
So, uh, and so, so it's like, kind of like a skewed. See, like, and that again, it would play right into that sort of whole uh, Palpatine uh, yep. skill set because he could literally have manipulated the separatists to build it, and then basically said, "Hey, they're building it. Let's let's construct one." And then he just has a, "Hey, here's the plans for one. It's partially built." And they're both working on the same freaking Death <laughs> the, Star. Death Star. Basically, yes. The Empire's so. ultimate weapon. The Death Star. So yeah, the Republic thinks they're building it because, hey, the Separatists are already building one. We should get ours done first. (laughs) Man, there's some real-life parallels there. I won't guess. guess. There's some... uh, Sometimes these things kind of hit home a bit. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. All right. And then we're going to get to talk all about... uh, We have a new interesting tidbit on K2SO, who I have a feeling may just be my absolute favorite uh, absolute favorite droid, minus R2-D2. But literally, I'm so excited to see. Essentially, uh, what was the droid, what was in Knights of the Old Republic, who wanted to kill everybody? Oh, oh I, don't, I don't know. I didn't play that. No, it's such a great character, too. Uh, tell, in the chat, let us know, because uh, I'm sure I will forget. Um, but yeah, so I'm very excited, and, and we have some new uh, interesting tidbits on, on K2SO and the role he will play as the sort of preeminent droid of this group. But before, I, before we get to that, I do want to tell you guys about our sponsor for this episode, and that's Geek Fuel. Now, Geek Fuel, they, uh, they're a monthly mystery box subscription for geeks and gamers, and of course, Star Wars fans. Uh, they ship every month at least $50 of value in a box for 15 bucks plus shipping and handling. Make sure that you check out geekfuel.com slash Star Wars Report. Every box has five to seven geeky items, an exclusive uh, downloadable game, and a t-shirt, all in that one box for the month. Uh, Make sure that you check them out again. That's geekfuel.com slash Star Wars Report, and we appreciate them for, uh, for sponsoring both Star Wars Report and the Star Wars Tonight podcast. All right, K2SO, Amy. Um, So... I pulled this quote. So this is from Entertainment Weekly. Uh, in fact, there's a great little video that went along with it that Anthony Bresnikin did. He's doing these um, these sort of these toy highlights that kind of tell the story of the film from the context of some of the uh, the toys, and and it's pretty interesting. Oh, it's pretty that's interesting. Cool. Oh yeah, he did a great one on the Force Awakens Millennium Falcon, and and it's a it's a nice kind of visual way to talk about some of the things we're going to see in the film without just kind of standing there and talking. And so he holds the, he has a great, the, the K2SO like two foot long toy. Uh, I keep eyeballing that. Mm, I know. I know. It looks great. Uh, But, uh, but they've got some new information. In fact, an interview with John Knoll, of course, uh, who, of whom uh, Rogue One was the brainchild of. So uh, John Knoll uh, said, quote, the, the goal uh, with K2SO was to create an original droid while incorporating elements from the past. It's not the first time we've seen an Imperial dro- droid. There's the Imperial probe droid and the sort of interrogation droid that have these sort of black shells with a kind of sinister, evil-looking character to them. And when I was looking at pictures, Amy, I was like, man, I didn't even realize the sort of visual uh, continuity between some of the previous uh, droids. Mm. He he does look like he does look familiar. Yeah. To me, but I don't know why cuz I haven't played like if it was based on Knights of the Old Republic or something I haven't played that. 
Yeah, it's, it does. It, he does seem familiar, and he is sort of human-esque, but still threatening, of course. Well, what's the line from the trailer? He says, I, I, I will not kill you right now. You know? Yeah, like <laughs> the captain says, you're a friend. Yes, yes, right before he says, make 10 men feel like 100, which is, by the way, becoming the new like catchphrase of this podcast. <laughs> oh, I like that. It's a good one. Um, uh, just never do math with cats, see an Andor. Uh, that's, call, that's what we call a <laughs> callback. Uh, yeah, I'm very excited. Amy, let me ask you. So, so where are you? Are, you're familiar with the, the pure wizard of joy that is Alan Tudyk, right? Yes. Uh, talk us through it. Uh, what's, what's your, what are your thoughts on... Uh, and in fact, you know, we, we've, we talk so much, we get in the weeds so much on some of these stories. I, I do really want to get your, kind of your overall thoughts now that we're in the sort of uh, this, this funnel that just cascades us all the way into the release of Rogue One. We're I'm really beginning to feel it right, right on the precipice. What, what are your th- kind of overall thoughts on the film now that we know a lot more about it? I am more excited for this film than I thought I would be at the beginning of the year. And that, that started with the first teaser teaser trailer or whatever, whatever the kids call that these days. That's an article somebody needs to write. Please tell me the difference between teasers and trailers and teaser trailers. <laughs> yeah, well, but that first, is a breakdown we need to do. Right? But the first footage that we saw, that's when I realized I'm like, I am invested in this emotionally already in a way I didn't expect. And maybe it's because I'm like, well, we know how the story ends. Maybe that was kind of figuring into my, like, I don't know. But the more I see of it, the more... Like, I'm just excited to see this scrappy rebellion that we've seen, you know, at the stage kind of in Star Wars Rebels and A New Hope. It's the thing. It's the first thing we saw in A New Hope's opening crawl. Like, this is we're going to get to see what we read about, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, whenever you first saw the movie. And that's it's really exciting. and, And I'm in no way concerned that it's going to be because I see people like still with that kind of mindset I had like, Oh, we know how that's, this is going to end. Like these people are all, these rebels are probably all going to die. Like I'm not going to pour my heart into it, but we don't know. Like there are still a lot of yeah. unknowns. Uh, and I'm true. I'm, I'm excited basically. And I'm also excited to see as I, much as I'm a rebel, like to see Krennic and to see that sort of Imperial. I'm just emotionally preparing myself, Amy, for everybody to die. Because that way I figure at least I can... That way at least I Me can... Me too. I'm already falling... Like, just because uh, the fact that on this show, with like literally it's been a week and a half of doing the show so far, and we've been breaking down all these TV spots and international trailers, and just the line, make 10 men feel like 100, has already made all of us fall in love with Cassian Andor. Uh, and, and so like, I don't want him to die. Please? All is as the force wills it. Are you kidding me? That that cheer it. That's the best thing ever. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I don't know that I'm. <laughs> I don't know that I'm emotionally prepared. I don't know. Like even though I'm prepared, like you said, I'm preparing myself. Like if I just think they're all going to die, like maybe it'll be a pleasant surprise if one of them lives. But I'm still going to be sad because, like you said, I already feel like I already feel connected to these characters, and I have I've only seen you know bare minutes of the film. Yeah, no, I exactly. Um, uh, well, I, I do have, so we, we are going to move. We have uh, one final uh, segment that we're going to do. I had to, the problem is, is that I don't pay, Amy, I do this thing where I write all the notes and put all the stories in, and then I don't look at them during the recording. 
Like I was, <laughs> I was literally recording uh, the the Star Wars report, the uh, the the main podcast this last Saturday with Scott Riven, and he's like, after the show, he's like, you know, you had right there in your notes to make sure you thanked the new patrons who are supporting you, and I was like, I did, and then I didn't. So uh, far be it from me. Uh, I do want to just say a special thank you to everyone who's all, who's actually personally contributing to this nightly uh, live podcast experience. Uh, you guys are what's really making it happen, so we really do appreciate it. Uh, in fact, uh, yesterday I'd like to welcome on board uh, Gary Swinsberg, uh, who's our newest patron. Uh, Gary, along with a couple new folks that we'll be highlighting throughout the week. Thank you so much for uh, supporting the program. If you guys are interested in also doing so, I encourage you to go over to uh, patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. That's patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. And uh, that's also, by the way, where we release the Friday edition. So get all five days of Star Wars tonight. That's right. Uh, right over at patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. And we do thank everyone who's supporting us. And also we thank uh, Anthony in the chat. Or excuse me, Scott in the chat. Who's the first of the punch. Uh, Scott, who actually reminds me. It's HK47. That's the one, Amy. I don't know if that rings oh. a bell to you. No, I'm gonna want to look it up right now. Oh, see now again, introduce you to high school Riley because that's when I first played Knights of the Amy. You've got to do it. You got to play Knights of the Old Republic. It's such good writing, and freaking Catherine Tabor performing uh, one of the main characters, Mission Vale, is really good. And it's just Bioware knows how to. It's it's a great story more than it is anything else. And I, I always think about it, but that's a PC game, right, or a computer game. Uh, or I think, or like maybe the original Xbox or something. <laughs> it's pretty old now. You know, I, I, they do have like a tablet version that you can do on like an iPad. I bet that would be your ticket if you're interested. Oh, maybe I should try that. Yeah, because my laptop can't handle. That's what games. you got to do. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that's what you you definitely you got to go for it. Uh, you got to go for it. Uh, all right, well, let's part with uh, two questions I have for you, Amy. Okay. Uh, what I'm doing is a, a fun as we get new uh, new co-hosts in rotating through each day. Uh, as we especially we're getting towards Thanksgiving and the holiday season, um, I, I'm, I'm asking uh, these questions, and I'm going to put together a nice little highlight reel at the end of the uh, at the end of the year. So, just for you, um, what is it, uh, broadly speaking, uh, that makes Star Wars so special and impactful? You know, just culturally, broadly speaking. Hope, and the message it brings that anybody no matter how small, no matter how oppressed, can come together and fight. And that's especially important to me right now. That yeah. it's always been the, the thing about Star Wars that speaks to me the most. Ah, that's so true. That's so true. Ah, that's... Down, man, down... that I couldn't have said it better. Down to that first opening crawl. Um, it is a period of civil war, but rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have won their first victory. Ah, it's like that's the first line in Star Wars. I know that just all gave right. me goosebumps. <laughs> we can all right. We can leave now. We're done. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I've got to. I've got to. I've got to ask you the second one as well. Uh, so number. Then how about because that that hope is so important. But like for you, how has Star Wars then impacted you personally? I have a feeling that you might have a, a thought or two on that. Well, there are so many ways for me to answer that, and I'm just gonna focus on on one that I'm grateful for every day, and that's in my career. I get to spend time with Star Wars and reading Star Wars and writing about it, and I get paid to do it, and that's such a gift to me. And I learn I learn from Star Wars every time 
I research something, whether it's a little fact about how a creature was made or a really important storytelling facet or something about, you know, it's a reflection of, I mean, there's bits in there you can take away that are reflections of humanity and culture. So it's impacted me hugely. Star Wars is part of my, my working life every day, and I'm so grateful for it. Awesome. Awesome. Well said. Well said. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, I couldn't think of a better way to wrap up uh, this week's podcast. Uh, Amy, thank you. Seriously, thank you so much. Where can folks find you online and find your, your podcasting efforts and find you on social media, all that good stuff? Oh, my goodness. You can find me. People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy underscore geek. You can listen to my two Star Wars podcasts, Full of Sith and Lattes with Leia. And you can find my writing at Nerdist.com and StarWars.com. Excellent. Definitely do that. We'll have links to all of that in the show notes. Remember, stay tuned to Star Wars tonight as best we're able to. We do every weeknight, <laughs> 7 o'clock at Facebook.com slash Star Wars Report. But otherwise, just stay tuned, stay tuned to our Twitter. It's at Star Wars Tonight that where we update sometimes if Riley, suddenly a four-star general, is talking about NATO and Riley's organizing a big ROTC uh, event and he forgot about it and then he texted Amy late last night and she was gracious <laughs> and able to change the time. Just hypothetically. Just uh, that could happen. That's what you should do. Just stay tuned. And then, of course, uh, uh, I'm also on Twitter. It's at the Riley Guy for Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. So, uh, Amy, thank you so much. We do appreciate it. Uh, a final salute uh, to everyone who's supported the show, listened to us live. Again, thanks to uh, those who support us on Patreon. And, of course, to our sponsor for today's episode, Geek Fuel. Uh, make sure you check out geekfuel.com slash Star Wars Report. May the Force be with you. And remember, remember... Uh, there is hope. There is, there is uh, hope if, uh, if there's nothing else Star Wars has taught us. All right, guys, we'll see you guys next time. There it, it.